Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome in to Vern's Post Game Show. Massey not stopping in second and slides into third with a two-run triple. Here's Josh Vernier. All right, Final score, Royals lose. And boy, oh boy, plenty to second guess after this one. Honestly, the perfect game for a show like this. This type of game, this type of ending, this is why we have a post-game show on 610 Sports Radio. Is for you to second guess, for you to lay the blame of this, the 69th loss of the season, for you to lay the blame at the feet of a coach, of a player. So yeah, yeah, 3-2 Royals lose, assuring themselves at best a split of this four-game series against the Detroit Tigers. Just the perfect game for a post-game show. Now, unfortunately, not the perfect season. For a show like this. As a matter of fact, I was talking with uh, Nico in the Northland. Uh, It was very nice to see Nico before the show. He's been texting in and calling into this show for years. It was nice to see him and his beautiful head of hair. Uh, But I was telling him, man, I've been so impressed with the amount of traffic, both on the phones and the text line that we've received this season, despite the fact that the boys are 41 games below 500 following this loss tonight. We've had a lot of reaction, a lot of passion from the fan base. So while some may assume that Royals fans are apathetic, this postgame show spits in the face of that thought. I'm wondering if you still have it in you to get judgy to second guess the decision to hold Michael Massey at third base there in the ninth inning the decision to go to Carlos Hernandez in the sixth inning Vance Wilson over there at third base the manager Matt Quatrero now you know me I'm not normally one to bring up coaches or or Uh, lay blame at the feet of coaches. But as I'm managing along with this game, as I'm watching from up here in the press box, I didn't want to see Carlos Hernandez a third straight day. And I was sending Michael Massey if I was down there on that third base coaching box. But I'm interested to see where you guys want to take this show tonight. If you don't want to talk about the 3-2 final, I, I, I do have a question that I think you'll find interesting. If you don't feel like reliving and bemoaning the fact that the boys lost again, I get it. If you were one of the 18,000 in attendance on maybe the stickiest night of the season, right? What wasn't this? This was, this was a rough one tonight. One of those days where you try not to move in your seat and yet you're still so oily and sweaty, and sticky. Hopefully the drinks were flowing and you were staying hydrated as you make your way home following this 3-2 loss. 
Again, the phone lines are open for you, 913-586-7610. Interested to see where you guys are at following this loss. My question for you, as what do you know in his final, likely, his final at-bat, no, in his final game at Kauffman Stadium, I don't think we're going to see Miguel Cabrera tomorrow. But in his final game at Kauffman Stadium, the place where he became legendary by securing that triple crown just over a decade ago. In his final game at Kauffman Stadium, Miguel Cabrera drives in the game-winning run. It was very fitting in what was a very respectful acknowledgement of a Hall of Famer. Nice job before the game by the Royals. Nice job before the game by Salvador Perez. Nice job by the captain to call all of the Venezuelan Royals. Get up here. Let's get up here and honor the greatest to ever do it. The greatest Venezuelan baseball player of all time, Miguel Cabrera. Nice to see Michael Garcia and Max Castillo. Freddie Fermin, Edward Olivares, Jose Aguasil. Nice to see the Venezuelan contingent inside that Royals clubhouse paying homage to the great Miguel Cabrera. And I say that on the Royals postgame show. I say that as someone that every time Miguel Cabrera has taken on the Kansas City Royals, I'm rooting for the boys in blue. And I know you, listening, are always rooting for the boys in blue, and yet... I don't sense much disdain towards Miguel Cabrera. And I spent this entire evening trying to think of another villain from an opposing team, especially a team within the division. I spent the entire game trying to identify, has there ever been someone more beloved in Kansas City while never playing for Kansas City? Now, baseball-wise, I'm not talking football. I'm not talking college basketball. I'm talking Major League Baseball. Now, I only go back to, what, the 80s? So for you longtime Royals fans that can go back to the 1969 ball club and the juggernaut that was the mid to late 70s Kansas City Royals, is there, was there, a more beloved villain in Royals history. And I'm, I'm trying to think through the division. You know, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, no. Maybe Jim Tomei. Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, um, Johan Santana. I, I, I don't think so. Certainly there's never been a White Sox, a Chicago White Sox player that was beloved in Kansas City. You hate everybody in that uniform, right? I know I do. Um, so, so no other Detroit Tigers that come to mind. Uh, help me out on that one. Uh, let me know. Phone lines are open for you. 913-586-7610. Again, that's 913-586-7610. We, we can talk about the 3-2 loss. We can talk about the decision to hold Michael Massey at third, the decision to give the ball to Carlos Hernandez as Ryan Yarbrough departs with a cramp in the sixth. But I, I, I do want your thoughts. If a name's pop into your mind, someone in the other dugout that consistently pounds the Royals and yet 
Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think many of you, you know, sports hate Miguel Cabrera. I don't know how you can. I, when I think of Miguel Cabrera, I think of him striking out against Kelvin Herrera and then giving him a thumbs up as if to say, nice pitch, kid. I feel like he did that against Eric Skoglund as well. Miguel Cabrera was just always so generous to the opposition. I guess that's because he bludgeoned the opposition more times than not. So when he was actually beat, he had no problem tipping his cap. So again, I want to hear from you. Phone lines are open, 913-586-7610. Sean in Overland Park, you were at the game tonight. You're hitting leadoff. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, Bird. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, so I want to start this one off hot. I lay this game at the feet of Wilson and Kataro solely. Wilson, yes, by all means should have sent Massey there. And Kataro not forcing Isbell to bunt in the ninth inning with two outs. And that third baseman playing shortstop, giving you the line. Tie the ball game up, have runners on first and second, let the next guy in the order. I can't remember who that would have been. Uh, have an opportunity, and if he doesn't succeed or if Isbell doesn't get the bunt down, that's another conversation to have. But Kataro not forcing him to put that bunt down there to tie the ball game up and take it into extra innings or at least give yourself an opportunity to win the game in the bottom of the ninth there is unforgivable and just poor, poor, poor management. That's all I, I got gotcha. to say, sir. Okay, no problem. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate the passion. Way to stay dialed in. And, yeah, if I just sat through that game sweating my tail off, wanting to see my boys walk away victorious, I'd be frustrated too. Uh, Kyle Isbell, three straight curveballs from Alex Lang. Uh, personally, I, I, I wouldn't have asked Kyle Isbell to bunt. Runners on the corners, two outs. Not saying you're wrong. I'm just letting you know where I'm at. I'm not going to defend the decision or non-decision. But from my vantage point, no. Honestly, I was too broken up in the fact that Massey was held at third base because I knew Kyle Isbell was on deck. And I'm not trying to knock Kyle Isbell. I I, I promise I'm not. Kid's hitting a buck 99 this season with an OPS of 575. But knowing that he's on deck, that's why I'm sending Massey. Hey, we make the third out at home. Yeah, that's going to be a painful walk to the car. Um, And this is why I could never be manager is is because I'm already resigned to the fact that Isbell wasn't going to be able to come through. To me, it all came down to Drew Waters that A single to center to right center field. Massey tried to score from first. He's held up at third. The only issue I had with what Matt Quatrero did tonight was go to Carlos Hernandez in the sixth inning. Now I understand it's an evaluation season, and if Carlos is going to be a true high-leverage guy, if he's going to replace Scott Barlow when and if Barlow is traded, you're going to have to pitch three days in a row. It, 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 it's going to happen. Carlos threw 15 pitches yesterday, 20 on Monday, and he comes out as Ryan Yarbrough exits with a cramp in the sixth inning. And sure, he, he comes into the game, Carlos that is, comes into the game with the runner on first, and he's already down in the count 3-0. 
He walks Javi Baez, so it's first and second with two outs for the future Hall of Famer Miguel Cabrera. And Carlos Hernandez throws him, what, five straight fastballs? I know Miggy is old, and I very old. Maybe not age-wise very old, but if you watched him run that run down to first base at any point tonight in any of those four plate appearances, if you watch Miguel Cabrera run to first base, you, you, you understand what I'm saying when I say, uh, that dude old. But Car- Miguel Cabrera is going to be able to hit a fastball until his dying day. If you throw him five straight fastballs, he's going to get that front foot down in time. He's going to make contact. He's going to put it in play. And he did. A 98-mile-per-hour fastball that's off the plate. He takes for ball one. 97, middle away, fouls it off. 98, middle away, swings through it. 100 miles per hour off the plate, he fouls it off. And then a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, darn near in the exact same spot where two of the previous four pitches were. Miggy didn't miss it. He goes to the opposite field. He drives in uh, Kerry Carpenter for the third and game-winning run for the Detroit Tigers. So my only issue with the managing or the management was going to Carlos Hernandez, having him up, having him be the, the backup for Ryan Yarbrough there in the sixth. Now, even as I'm saying that, even as I'm managing along with the game, it's not as if there's someone else in that bullpen that is screaming in my head, you know, choose me, pick me, go with me in that spot. No, no, no. I understand where this bullpen's at. You can only go to Scott Barlow so often. And I thought that was the case tonight for Carlos Hernandez. I, I, even in an evaluation season, I don't know how intrigued, how curious I was to see him pitch three straight. Thanks for the phone call. 913-586-7610. Let's go to DJ in Shawnee. DJ, you're on 610 Sports Radio. Thank you very much for calling in, man. You, you said you would, and you're, you're a man of your word. Go ahead, DJ. Yes, I really enjoyed the game, and guess what I got from Salvi earlier? What? Well, at, before the game started, he gave me he threw me up a baseball, and Tyler caught it. Holy crap, are you kidding me? Where were you? We were up by the, the Pepsi stand. Oh, my God. Well, did uh, Tyler give it to you, or did he put it in his pocket? He gave it to me because he said he has enough baseballs. Well, he's a good friend. He's a good man. You know that, DJ, and you're a good man, yes. too, man. It was nice talking to you before the game. Hope to see you out here again soon. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Yeah, if you ever get to Kauffman Stadium early and you're looking to kill some time, come out, craft and draft. I'm out there each and every home game talking Royals with you, um, talking whatever you want. Well, not anything you want. I'd, I'd like it to stick to sports. Some of you have some wild uh, Rally Mantis. I'm talking about you. Rally Mantis has some uh, interesting ideas. But nice seeing you, DJ. Thanks for the phone call. Let's go to Steven in Overland Park. Steven, you're on 610 Sports Radio as the Royals lose 3-2. Go ahead. 
Hey, Vern. You know, I mean, I think this job is becoming too much for Q. It, it's there, there's just too much, bad, too many bad decisions. The, I, I would give him a lot more room if he had emotion, if he had any sort of like ability to fire up the team. But I, I'm getting sick of every night just watching this guy drone on like a like a robot. Um, he he's got to be less dogmatic. He, he's so locked into doing the same thing every night, not letting the guys go two ti- three times through the re- through the batting rotation. I mean, I, I hate to I hate to throw a guy under a bus like this this early, but but he's got to change. Something has got. So he has to get mad. Someone's got to throw something. Something something has to be different. Yeah, but Steve, isn't that like ch- is isn't that childish though? Isn't that is isn't that something that is just a um, um, a narrative that 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 fans want where hey we're losing shouldn't you scream about it I'm I'm being honest I mean this is this is horrible the Royals No I understand but I'm the asking Royals you Stephen what do you think screaming is going to do you 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 think that these 23 24 25 year olds need to be yelled at that that's what's missing for this team You you bet Ab- absolutely I, I let's go get go get somebody else go get Tony LaRusa get if he's going to do this, he's going to Hang stay on, locked in. Did you see in. what happened to Tony Larusa the past few seasons in Chicago? Well, well, anything is better than a robot who won't change his tactics. So, I mean, we 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 are not a, a franchise that loses 120 games. This is well, there's this only been be, like two franchises that have well, ever done that. Th- this should be uh, this should be so horrible to every fan that they should that they should reject the taste out of their mouth. And this guy just motors on every night like like this is what this is not is this is not what is supposed yeah, to happen no i understand what you're City. saying Stephen. it's not okay. unique i've heard- worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shop Shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Heard it from a lot of people. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, you, you mentioned he needs to start letting pitchers face a lineup a third time. I'm, I'm trying to find the last time he didn't. I am back to the 8th of July, the 7th. They're saying he needs to change. Let him face a lineup a third time. We're now back to July 5th. Every single starter has faced a lineup a third time. I am now to July 2nd, July 1st, uh, June 30th. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Stephen. The last pitch, no, even, even on the 28th. Okay, so it's been more than almost a month since he pulled a pitcher before he faced a lineup a, a third time. You know, I, I, I just think that, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not surprised by it because Steven's not alone. A lot of people want Matt Quatrero to scream, and um, I, I think that's it. I think you just want to see him scream. And, and when you say it out loud, don't, don't you feel stupid when you say that? No disrespect, Stephen. I'm not. I'm not calling you stupid, but don't you feel stupid when you say something like out loud? When you say it, hey, I want you to yell. 
Because his response would be, I'll yell if I think it's going to make us play better. That's what Q would say. I'd flip the spread if I thought it was going to make us play better. I'd call team meetings every single day if I thought it was going to make us play better. And I, I tend to think that he has the pulse of the team more so than Steven in Oberlin Park. Again, Q was hired, eyes wide open, knowing that this was going to be a trying season. If he's screaming after, I mean, I, I guess I should have asked you this, Stephen, but like how often do you want him to yell? Once a week? Do you want him thrown out of a game once, twice a week? I, I, I. The Royals, they're grownups, right? They're not 10, 11-year-olds. They're grownups. They're adults. They're adults that are having um, or have the opportunity to fulfill their lifelong dream. And if you honestly think that they need to be uh, shaken verbally, um, they need to be shaken by... Shock and awe. Oh, my God. Can you believe our manager is getting thrown out of the game? Well, then you're telling on yourself because you're acknowledging that these guys aren't any good. I, I, I don't know how Garcia, Bobby, MJ, Massey, Waters, Isbell, Blanco, Prado, all guys, not a one of them has their footing in the big leagues. I, 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 I just have a difficult time believing that – What's missing is them being yelled at. Play better. Uh, Hit the ball. Uh, Throw strikes. They're adults. This is their career. This is everything that they've worked for. And you think they're lollygagging it or lackadaisical and they need to be shook by the manager? I I don't know, man. I've just never understood that. Get thrown out of a game. Show me you care. That's bizarre to me, that, that, that you think that the players don't care or that the coaches don't care. And you understand how much money is on the line, how much work, how many years that these young men, adult men, have put in to get to this place. I, I promise you. Nobody cares more than them. I promise you, Stephen. Let's go to Jeff in Kansas City. Jeff, you're on 610 Sports Radio as the Royals lose 3-2. to two. Hey, Vern. Thanks for taking the call. Hey, you know, we can bicker all we want about yelling and get the manager thrown out, send the guy home from third base as much as we want to. But the reason I was at the game tonight is because we had a condiment jersey night. We had ketchup, we had mustard, we had relish. So I got to know, Vern, the most important question of the night for the Royals tonight is, what's your condiment of choice? Ketchup, mustard, relish. Where are we going? Oof. If I can only have one, I'll take relish. But if I'm choosing a jersey, I'm going with ketchup. Mustard is a distant third. I'll eat it. I'm fine with it. But it's not my first choice. Those jerseys were 
Wow, those jerseys were a hit, weren't they? I, I mean, they're they're quality material. I got mine right here. I got a ketchup one. But man, those 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 were great. Royals do a and you got a T-shirt Tuesday coming up again. We had three hot dog races tonight. Uh, two fantastic first pitches, by the way. The young woman from uh, the KC Current who threw the first pitch to her dad. That was awesome. Great throw, by the way. And then the ceremonial first pitch. Uh, I forgot what company uh, that young woman was from, but she threw a strike as well. So it was a great pregame. Great pregame. I'm not talking about my pregame. I'm talking about the, the, the jerseys being handed out, a pair of fantastic first pitches. Uh, honoring Miguel Cabrera, that was a great start. And then Ryan Yarbrough coming out and pitching well, holding the Detroit Tigers to one run over over four, uh, first five innings. Comes out in the sixth, gives up a leadoff double to Riley Green. Strikes out Spencer Torkelson, gives up an RBI single to Kerry Carpenter. And then the um, hamstring starts to cramp up a little bit. He gets Jake Rogers to fly out, but... Falls behind Javi Baez and, and, and can't go on. Can't go on. Has to hand things off to Carlos Hernandez as, again, uh, Yarbrough leaves in the sixth inning with a left hamstring cramp. Royals were no hit until Matt Duffy broke it up in the fifth inning, and the Royals scored their two runs in that fifth inning. A one-out single from Duffy opens, well, not the scoring, but opens up the hit column for the boys in blue. And then Michael Massey rips an RBI double down the right field line. Two batters later, Kyle Isbell goes to left center field, plating Michael Massey and giving the Royals a short-lived 2-1 lead. But as I mentioned, that lead was given right back by Ryan Yarbrough and Carlos Hernandez in the sixth inning. 3-2 Tigers after six, 3-2 Tigers after nine. Phone lines are open, 913-586-7610. Again, I'm asking you, has there ever been a more beloved villain in Kansas City? Baseball-wise, has there ever been a more beloved villain than Miguel Cabrera? A guy that routinely pounds the Royals, and yet I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a crossword uttered by a Royals fan about Miguel Cabrera. Head out to DeSoto. Talk with Bennett. You're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey, Vern. Thanks for hey, Vern. Thanks for having me. I guess my I got a question for you because in the bottom of the ninth, we've got a pinch hit at bat by Prado and he swings at the first pitch, followed by Salvador Perez, HBP. And then uh, we got Nicky Lopez pinch hit and he swings at the first pitch too for a 1-6-3, uh, followed by a four-pitch walk. And then Isbell swings at the first pitch, too. Is it a, Am I outdated in thinking that dudes are taking a strike in the bottom of the ninth? Uh, no. No, I was thinking that when it comes to Nicky Lopez. Um, appreciate the phone call. A few things there. You know, some of it's getting kind of mixed up, and I understand you're at the game. There's a lot going on. Uh, Nick Prado served as the leadoff man in the eighth. And, yes, he swung at the first pitch and flied out to left. But after that, Mike Hell Garcia walked. Bobby Witt Jr. flew out. 
NMJ Melendez grounded out to end any sort of a threat there in the eighth inning. So now we go to the ninth inning with the Royals down by one. Salvi actually led off the ninth, led off the ninth by being plunked. And as I said up here in the press box, if I'm Alex Lang, I would have done the exact same thing. Not saying he meant to hit Salvi, uh, but if I saw Nicky Lopez in the on-deck circle and Salvador Perez in the batter's box, I'd go, all right, let's get this over with. I'm not letting you beat me, big fella. How about you wear this real quick? Plunk Salvi. Edward Olivares comes in to serve as the pinch runner. Now, that was four pitches into the inning. Four pitches from Alex Lang. Only one of them found the strike zone. So, yeah, he was behind Salvi 2-1. And then he hits him with the fourth pitch. So, yeah, maybe Nicky Lopez gets up there and, and should spit on one, should see one as he comes in to serve as a pinch hitter for Matt Duffy. But I've also heard the... Especially for someone that wasn't in the game, someone that's coming in cold off of the bench in the ninth inning. I've heard plenty of ball players tell me, if I'm serving as a pinch hitter, I'm coming in hot. I'm aggressive. I'm swinging at that first pitch. There's a, there's a few guys over the years that I'm not easing into the game. I'm already cold. I got to jump into the action and make something happen. And unfortunately, first pitch swing and Nicky Lopez grounds into a 1-6-3 double play. And just like that, two outs. Royals down to their final outs. And you're right. Yes, Michael Massey draws a four-pitch walk. But then Drew Waters came up. And Drew Waters takes ball one and then hits that single to the right center field gap. Michael Massey's held up at third. So the Royals have first and third with two outs. Kyle Isbell sees three straight curveballs. And he strikes out swinging at the third of those three curveballs. The third of the three uh, in the dirt. Swung at all three. Missed all three. And the third was in the dirt. Um, So really the only time I was thinking maybe look at one was Nicky Lopez. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but just just me as I'm watching the game. I, I wasn't. I mean, I was cognizant of it. I went, okay, that's a that's an idea. Okay, I, you know, swinging at the first pitch. It's not what I would have done, but I understand it. And yeah, wasn't frustrated by it. But you're you're more within. Uh, you're you're. Very much so within your own right to to be frustrated. Maybe he should have spit on one. Thanks for the phone call, Bennett. 913-586-7610, and it's certainly not an old-school way of thinking. My only pushback, or the only reason why I really haven't brought it up, is Alex Lang's only four pitches into his night. Maybe he found the strike zone, just needed to get accustomed to the mound in that at-bat against Salvador Perez. He's a good reliever. I didn't didn't believe he was going to stay wild. And, you know, he's he's a new guy breaking in and doesn't really have a track record. Alex Lang's a, a a fine reliever. Had no issue with 
uh, Nikki being aggressive there. But thanks for the phone call. Phone lines are open for you, 913-586-7610. Again, that's 913-586-7610. Royals fall to the Detroit Tigers in Game 3 of this four-game series. Final score, 3-2. We get back to your thoughts after this. Firm's post-game show on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio, and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Vern's post-game show. Here's Royals insider Josh Vernier. 3-2 the final score. Royals drop game three of this four-game series to the Detroit Tigers and fall back to their low water mark of the season, 41 games below 500. The record is now 28-69. and 69. The finale tomorrow, Zach Greinke likely to return to square off with fellow right-hander Michael Lorenzen. It's a 110 first pitch, and I'm on the air with the On Deck Show live from Craft and Draft beginning at 12 noon. I'll have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Max Scherzer come to Kauffman Stadium in just a few weeks. So make sure you're listening tomorrow, 12 noon, to the On Deck Show. Speaking of tomorrow, my exclusive one-on-one 20-25-minute conversation with Royals general manager J.J. Piccolo will air in its entirety at 6.50 tomorrow morning with Fesco, Kling, and the fellows from Fesco in the morning. If you miss it, if you're not going to be up before 7 a.m., they'll have it on the podcast page. You can find it on the Odyssey app or, of course, at 610sports.com. Let's go to John in Mission. John, you're on the postgame show. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, Vern. Uh, hey, Vern. Great show as always. Uh, just want to to mention that um, uh, I moved out from Los Angeles uh, to Kansas City recently, and I noticed that uh, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals uh, have gone on a streak against the Dodgers farm team, which has about three of the top 100 uh, prospects in baseball on it. Um, so it sounds like JJ is doing something right. Yeah, yeah. I I, I didn't know that. Um, Only thing I know about the double-A team as far as tonight is concerned is Andrew Hoffman, the big right-hander that the Royals got last year from Atlanta in the Drew Waters trade. He threw five and a third scoreless tonight, seven strikeouts, two walks, and only three hits. Yeah, JJ's, in my opinion, I, I understand what the record is, but it's not as if he built this 2023 roster. Um, I, I look at what he's done over the past year from last year's trade deadline to this year's draft to this past off season. The signings of Yarbrough, of Lyles, of Chapman, I've been uh, pleased with year one of J.J. Piccolo. Thanks for the phone call, John. Always nice to hear from you. Andrew Hoffman's ERA is still nothing to write home about, but finished the season strong. Again, he was... Again, Drew Waters was the, the 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 prize of that trade last season. But I like the looks of Andrew Hoffman. Uh 6'5, 210, only 23. Doesn't turn 24 until next February. Braves drafted him in the twelfth round back in 2021 out of Illinois. If the Royals are going to dig themselves out of seasons like this, it's going to be on the backs of young pitching. A guy like Alec Marsh, who we're going to watch Friday night pitch at Yankee Stadium. Brady Singer, Saturday afternoon, squaring off with Garrett Cole at Yankee Stadium. 
likely see Cole Reagans at some point soon, Daniel Lynch in a few weeks when he returns after this bout with dead arm. Andrew Hoffman, uh, other trade acquisition arms. I mentioned Cole Reagans. You can throw a Chandler Champlain, one of the three pitchers he got from the New York Yankees last year in the Andrew Benatendi deal. I told you earlier today on the On Deck Show, it's it's a poor reflection of, of me and my lifestyle and my life choices, but Man, every every day, well before twelve noon, I'm 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 dialed in on, on who's on the bump, who's pitching for Omaha, who's pitching for Quad Cities. Cause if this win loss record is ever gonna get flipped, it's gonna be because of those guys. Be because of those young starting pitchers that you've drafted, developed, acquired, and developed. And shoot, like I've been telling you, this is how they're gonna tease us this year. It's not going to be Adalberto Mondesi hitting 400 in September. It's not going to be Hunter Dozier hitting 10 home runs in September. It's going to be young pitchers coming up and dealing and giving us all the hope. Maybe it's misguided hope, but I think they're going to give us hope in September that the pitching staff will be improved in 2024. I'm not telling you it will be, but I do believe they will provide the hope before this 162-game march through the summer is complete. Let's go to Big T and Shawnee. Big T, you're on the post-game show as the boys fall 3-2. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, Vern. Thanks for taking my call, man. Uh, so, Vern, I was listening to your post-game show, man. Keep being a sicko. I, I dig all the uh, updates on our minor league uh, pitchers throughout the whole system of our, our uh, up and down our minor leagues. Keep up the good job, man. I, I'll be sick with you, and I know a lot of people appreciate that, Vern. So shout out on that. And Vern, you know, I want to answer your question. Nobody has, and I can think of a guy. And you know, I, I'm a little older, but back in the day, we were the American League West, and mm-hmm. and we had Minnesota was in there always. But the, uh, before the L.A. Angels, it was the California Angels. And this guy played for both of these teams. And I can, you know, uh, maybe not quite Miguel Cabrera, but pretty darn close, Vern, and that's Rod Carew. That guy, he would punish us, and we would despise. Man, this guy would just always kill us, just raking that ball. He was a great hitter, and he was always battling George Brett for that batting title. So that's kind of a similar guy I could come up with, Vern, is Rod Carew. Thanks for taking my call, Vern. That's a great name. I'm interested especially those of you older than me, those of you that remember the 1970s, those those great Roy. I can't imagine when you're that good, as good as the Royals were back then, that you could really ever get down with anyone else because you were in it. Every, right? you're, you're in it in uh, right? the mid-70s all the way until George calls it a career. You're, you're in it. It's tough to fully embrace the opposition. You know, 2012, 2013, it wasn't difficult for Royals fans to go, eh, you know what, I'm going out to the ballpark to watch Miguel Cabrera. We haven't won anything in 30 years. Might as well go watch a legend or go watch history. Well, little did we know that 2014, 2015, 16, and 17 would happen. But by then, we already loved Miguel Cabrera, right? Maybe I'm off base. I'm looking at the text line. I'm not seeing any pushback on it. Big T brings up Rod Carew. I see Robin Yount's name. I see Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, Jr.'s a good one. 
Because how, how do you dislike Ken Griffey Jr.? Especially Seattle Mariner, Ken Griffey Jr. That was, I mean, you know. If you were paying attention, he was your favorite player. So I, I don't know. Maybe Rod Carew is right there. I mean, I'm not going to say Big T's wrong. But even Big T wasn't saying that it was more so than Miguel Cabrera. Has there ever been a more beloved villain for Royals fans? More so than Miguel Cabrera. 913-586-7610 is our phone number. That's 913-586-7610. Gabriel from Independence writes in, Vern, here you go. We did the on-field batting practice experience the last time Detroit was in town. Miguel Cabrera came over to where the fans were. Uh, uh, hang on. Miguel Cabrera came over to where the fans are for that exit, which is on field right behind uh, the Royals home plate and signed his baseball cards for us. Not the super nice guy, but after his years in major league baseball, you can't blame him, but he did sign and took a few picks. So we got a Miguel Cabrera signed card with a picture. That's one legendary experience signed Gabriel in independence. Yeah, see that, 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 and I'm not, this isn't a knock on you, Gabriel, but I always find that interesting. He signed your baseball cards. He took your pictures and it's still, you say not a super nice guy. See, that's why it's just so tough to, well, yeah. No, no one's going to cry for Miguel Cabrera, but I, I've just witnessed it with George Brett for, a decade plus where unless you sit down with someone and and answer every question they have, you're just always the bad guys. You know, I mean, there's only what 50 some odd hall of famers walking the earth. George Brett is recognized everywhere. And if he's ever in a bad mood or in a rush, can't sign that autograph in that person's mind. He's forever a, not a super nice guy. Not coming down on you, Gabriel. I'm just using your characterization of Miguel Cabrera to um, expand on a bigger point. But, yeah, sounds like you won. You have one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. Top seven right-handed hitter of all time. I think that's fair. Top seven. You got his autograph. You got a picture with him. I know a lot of people that would kill for that. Let's go back to the phone calls. 913-586-7610. Brian is out in Hayes. You're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey, Vern. Thanks for taking my call. And just letting you know, I really appreciate your enthusiasm in your shows and all the work you put into it. It's great to listen to. My pleasure. So I agree with you about Miguel Cabrera. I think he's one of um, the people that uh, he's easy to cheer for because he looks like he has fun when he plays. and. Yeah. You can go online and see a lot of um, uh, times where he um, seems to interact well with fans um, when he's playing and um, just seems like um, he genuinely enjoys playing the game, which I think is, is makes it easy to cheer for him. The only other name I could come up with that I thought might um, be somewhat similar, and I don't think as good as Miguel or someone that's as loved as Miguel, but um, Albert Pujols for yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. And part of that's just because he you know, was from here. So right. um, that's the name I would throw out. 
Yeah, that's a good one, Brian. We were I, I was discussing this with uh, Annie Rogers of MLB.com, and I, I quickly dismissed Pujols and Molina, even though I know Royals fans in their heart of hearts respect the heck out of both of them, but there's just something about those birds on a bat that sends Kansas City up a wall. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't know how you dislike Albert Pujols. And I honestly, I don't think there are many people in Kansas City that that dislike him. But I also don't think there are many Royals fans that will admit to liking him, if that makes sense. And the way that you describe Miguel Cabrera, you're right. But all I was thinking is, well, yeah, that that's Salvador Perez. Like when Salvi hangs it up, I would imagine whoever is the... Vern of Chicago or Detroit or Minneapolis or Cleveland will have a very similar conversation on their postgame show. How do you not like Salvador Perez? Yes, he's been beating the crap out of us for a decade plus, but the guy's having fun. And isn't that all we want? We, 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 we continuously whine about, oh, millionaires and billionaires playing a kid's game. Salvi doesn't act like a millionaire. He acts like he's playing a kid's game. Brian, thanks for the phone call. 913-586-7610. That's also the text line number, the J Southland Tow Service text line, 913-586-7610. Want to say thank you to our proud sponsor, Rawhide Harley-Davidson. Appreciate your support all season long. Rawhide Harley-Davidson, the number one volume Harley dealer in Kansas. Royals lose game three to the Tigers. The finale comes your way tomorrow afternoon. Royals hoping to salvage a split of this four-game set before they head out for three in New York, three in Cleveland, as we approach game number 100 in this endlessly disappointing season of 2023. Quick timeout. We get back to your thoughts and head inside that Royals clubhouse after this. Firm's post-game show on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio, and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Vern's Post Game Show on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio. 3-2 the final score. Tigers take this one. Royals had the lead after 5-2-1. A short-lived lead as Detroit would score two in the very next half inning to take that 3-2 lead, and that was your final score. Seeing some more names come in as far as you know, the, the question I'm asking about Miguel Cabrera, who just played what is likely his final game at Kauffman Stadium. I don't think he'll be in there tomorrow. And what do you know, his final game at Kauffman Stadium, he hits what turns out to be the game-winning RBI single in that two-run sixth inning. Has there ever been a more beloved villain in Kansas City baseball history? More so than the great Miguel Cabrera. I see Brooks Robinson's name and Jim Rice, Cal Ripken Jr. and Kirby Puckett. Some of you are missing the question I'm asking. PJ from Overland Park. Vern, if you're talking villains, and the, <laughs> PJ just getting all fired up in this text. Uh, the top of the list, Vern, is Reggie Jackson. He was a jerk then. He's still a jerk. Also, Billy Martin and Goose Gossage, and you know what? The entire Yankees team, for that matter, in the late 70s and early 80s. Yeah, I, I, PJ, I know you hate the Yankees. You don't got to tell me that Kansas City hates Reggie Jackson and Craig Nettles and 
Goose Gossage. Yeah, I would I would assume so. You better. Willie Randolph. Yeah, I, I gotcha. But I'm asking the villains that you're supposed to hate that you end up liking. Ed in Jefferson City says, how about Jim Tomei? That's a good one. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say a negative word about the great Jim Tomei. Now, Catfish Hunter, Lou Pinella, I'm seeing those names. Those guys don't count. Pinella played for the Royals. Catfish played in Kansas City, right? Or at least came up in the Kansas City A's organization. So I don't think that counts. You can't play for Kansas City. Text line's always open for you, 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610 from the 620. Vern, I was at the game tonight and was disgusted by the decision to hold Michael Massey at third. Vern, I think he would have scored. And it also robbed us fans of a play at home, which is the most exciting play in all of baseball. Yeah, to end a game that way, to either send it to extras or or have the game end at home plate, that's what I was hoping for. When Drew Waters connected on that 1-0 offering from Alex Lang and it finds grass in right center field, I was sending Michael Massey up here. He's held that third and Kyle Isbell goes down on three pitches, swinging through a curveball in the dirt to finish this one off. 913-586-7610. I'm talking a lot about Miguel Cabrera. And the pregame ceremony where all the uh, Venezuelan Royals gathered around the greatest Venezuelan baseball player that there's ever been. And it got me to thinking, uh, watching Michael Garcia, the 23-year-old. Michael Garcia was three years old. Three, like two and a half, really, was two and a half years old when Miguel Cabrera took Roger Clemens' oppo in the World Series. 20-year-old Miguel Cabrera takes the best pitcher of his generation. I understand he was on steroids, but still took Roger Clemens' oppo in the World Series as a 20-year-old. And somewhere in Venezuela, three-year-old Michael Garcia was probably um, around a radio, around a television, getting some sort of an update on what the great Miguel Cabrera was doing. That was even before he was the great Miguel Cabrera. One more note. Javi Baez hit sixth tonight. He was their big free agent signing a few years ago, which didn't we all know that that was a stupid signing? Anyway, uh, Javi Baez hit sixth tonight. Miguel Cabrera hit seventh. Those two combined this season make $54 million. Detroit's number six and seven hitters combined to make $54 million. The Royals' entire starting lineup makes half that. One through nine, the Royals' starting lineup tonight makes $27 million. And more than $20 million of that is Salvador Perez. No, no grand statement, just these are the things that occupy my time during the game. 
Let's head inside that Royals clubhouse. Let's hear what Michael Massey, speaking of that ninth inning decision to hold him up there at third, let's hear what he had to say after the game as the microphones of Bally Sports Kansas City were inside the Royals clubhouse. Just really good command. Uh, you know, I was talking to Duff about it. Just, he plays with all of his pitches, and uh, he's got a really great feel for all of them, so just kind of works every part of the zone uh, at every speed, and, and he's just kind of tough to sit on any pitch. With We'll go see when, when Duffy does hit that base hit up the middle there in the fifth. Yeah, a little bit of freedom. You know, obviously, uh, you know, not fun to, to get no hit through a couple of innings, but, uh, you know, I thought we had some good swings on him. And, and, you know, Mikey hit a couple couple hard balls right at guys. And, um, you know, nice, nice that Duff found a hole and got us going. Anything, any big adjustment there? I know you only saw him once before, but in the fifth, were you guys to string, string something together? Yeah, I think just, just maybe being a little bit more ready to hit. His fastball was kind of playing, I think, above. Um, what the velo was and um, you know just just maybe being ready and um, you know trying to trying to stay up on the zone a little bit and, and kind of lay off his slider. Mm -hmm. To see one kind of go through there and get a hit, how did it feel just for you personally trying to just get back in the swing of things? Yeah, it feels good. Um, you know, obviously I think it's my first one since the break so um, you know they've been hard to come by you know lately and, and this year uh, for that matter so uh, anytime they fall it's it's, uh, it's good you know um, but at the same time like, like I always say just um, trying to follow the process, trying to have good at-bats, and, and really just trying to hit the ball hard. Uh, you know, after that, if they fall, they fall. If not, uh, you know, you just got to keep going. Have you worked on anything, particularly in the cages, just to kind of get back into that kind of groove that you want to get to? Yeah, you know, I think um, just pulling the ball too much. Uh, you know, not necessarily trying to, but for whatever reason, the ball just kind of keeps going that way for me. So just trying to stay on guys a little bit longer and um, slow it down and, and try to use the whole field more, um, I think is something that's going to help me in the second half. That's Michael Massey had a one-out RBI double in the fifth inning to give the Royals a short-lived 2-1 lead. And then he draws a walk, a four-pitch walk in the ninth inning. Ends his night one for three with a run driven in and a run scored as he comes around to score uh, the second run. Excuse me. Uh, his RBI double in the fifth tied the game at one. Kyle Isbell's two-out RBI double gave the Royals that short-lived lead as Michael Massey came around to score from second. Add it all up, it's still another loss. The 69th loss of the season, final score, 3-2. to two. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough was saddled with the loss. His record is now 2-5. and five. He went five and two-thirds innings, gave up three runs on six hits, walked one, punched out four, left in the sixth inning as, well, you know, it was muggy as all get out, had a hamstring cramp that pulled him from the game and ultimately handed things off to Carlos Hernandez and Carlos Hernandez was unable to shut the door, which led to the loss, which led to Ryan Yarbrough's record, reflecting that now two and five on the season. Let's hear what he had to say. Nothing too serious. It was just more of uh, the last couple of pitches. Um, and then obviously trying to test it out again. It just wanted to just cramp up on me in the hamstring. So I think it was more precautionary than anything. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, we're still, we're still good to go. I'm going to go as big as usual tomorrow and be ready to go in the next five, six days, whichever it is. Uh, how would you assess just overall tonight for you? I, I, I think it went really well. I mean, obviously, they're going to leave a bad taste in your mouth how you finish, with, especially when. Uh, you feel like you're being really efficient, obviously the, the home run there, um, but leaving it that and then through five, and then especially when you get a lead right right there in the sixth, and with two lefties up, which is, as a left-handed pitcher, you're really told to really make sure you get your lefties out, kind of a good spot for me to be in, and, you know, uh, made some stupid, stupid pitches, um, and definitely a spot where I 
put that on myself. You know, should have been able to get through that and give us the, the lead there and kind of hand it off to the bullpen after that. But um, so I feel like for a good day, kind of just like I said, left a little bit of a tough day for. Although when you look at it as a whole, it was it was still good. It's just tough when you kind of given the lead right there into the six and you try to continue that and let us come back in and hit and you end up giving up the lead. Can you describe that sequence to bias did on the home run? Yeah, I, th I mean, I don't hate the pitch selection. It was just something where, you know, he's a, he's a strong guy, a lot of power, and um, just left it too close to the plate there. So uh, if you know a little, I don't, the changeup, I think, was the right pitch. If I got it out, you know, it was just down a little under the zone. If I was able to get that down and away, even a little bit off the plate, I think it would have been different. It was back-to-back change-ups there to Javi Baez. Um, and the second one that he, again, back, back it was the fifth pitch of the at-bat. So the fourth pitch was a change-up down and well out of the zone that Baez swung through. So he tries to double up with the change-up. Uh, it's elevated. It's, it's still down and out of the zone, but it was elevated compared to the previous change-up, and you know Javi's always swinging for the fences, and he was able to connect there to give the Tigers a one nothing lead there in the second. You know, stupid pitches is what Ryan Yarbrough said. Man, I'm looking at that sixth inning. Okay, yeah, uh, fastball down and in to Riley Green. That's normally the nitro zone to lefties. Okay. Uh, Green with the leadoff double to right field. I don't know if that's the pitch he's talking about. Uh, two batters later, the RBI single to Kerry Carpenter. Uh, a 1-0 fastball. Okay, that was center cut. Maybe that's the dumb pitch that he's talking about. I'll be honest, I, I wasn't disappointed whatsoever in Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, maybe I should have been. Maybe I need to hold him to a higher standard. Sounds like he holds himself to a higher standard, calling those pitches uh, stupid. Again, I, I told you what I thought. Uh, my my big takeaways from the game, I would have sent Michael Massey there in the ninth. I wouldn't have called on Carlos Hernandez a third straight day. Uh, does anything turn out different if they don't go to Carlos Hernandez? I don't know. I, I certainly wouldn't bet on it. Because if you're not going to Carlos Hernandez there in the sixth, who is it? Is it is it Heasley? Is it, is it Coleman? Is it Quas? Is it... It's not Wade Davis, I know that. It's not Kelvin Herrera. Uh, th there isn't an automatic out to call on out in that Royals bullpen, unfortunately. So add it all up, and it's a 3-2 loss. It's 41 games below 500, but thankfully it's an afternoon game tomorrow, so we can quickly turn the page and look ahead to what is likely going to be Zach Greinke returning from the IL, squaring off with Michael Lorenzen. It's a 110 first pitch, and I'll be on the air with the On Deck Show beginning at 12 noon. Thanks to Chris Unocero for the help, both with pregame and postgame. Uh, we let the people down with our gambling pits, picks today, though. I had a rough one, another rough one. But we'll try again tomorrow. What else are we going to do? I'll talk to you at 12 noon. Kansas City, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday night. Take care.
You've been listening to Vern's Post Game Show. Diving is MJ Melendez. Did he make that catch? He did! Check out the All Things Vern channel on 610sports.com and the Odyssey app to stay up to date with your boys in blue. And a swing and a miss. He struck him out with a fastball. Seventh strikeout for Daniel Lynch. On your home of the Royals, 610 Sports Radio. We now take you back to regularly scheduled programming.